similarly to Roma. I turned it off because I was, it was tired. It was done. I was, was not time. paying attention. Yeah. It's a movie that I've only seen once before now, but it was like burned into my memory. Mm. It's a very it was a formative faggotry film for me. See, wow. it would There's have been my had teens. I watched it in high school. There's a lot of my, jackin'. Mm-hmm. Had I listened a lot to of my touching, friend, a lot of buttons. And as Louisa says, you two just want to fuck each other. Yes. It's so good. Which I I love the movie. I wish I loved it more. And there's a couple things that I could point to where I just want him, I want Quaron to just zip it mm-hmm. and don't just make the subtext text. And that yeah. is one of them. Sure. It's like, I don't, we, we know that they just want to fuck each other. You've just flattened all of the mystery that's been going on and all of the, for me anyway, like really flattened that subtext. And because they're going to kiss. So oh, they're going to, they're not just going to kiss. They're going to, they're going to mack. So let us see it, Alfonso. Let us see it. I would like to see it. I would like, I would to, like see it. to see it. I would like to see it. <laughs> what is your, what's the context? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I do get a little annoyed by that too. That but of all the like sex to scenes it. to get oh. cut off midstream, <laughs> it's the That's, one where the boys wake up are, next to each other. Are kissing. Well, I think. And touching. Doing kissing. Kissing, loving, touching, mm. moaning. I think, I think it's <clears throat> perfect. Nice. It's like, I get it, but we see we see all the other sex acts to fruition. Sure, but, oh, well, yeah. yeah I mean, I would, Monique, I would like to see it, <laughs> but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's homophobic or anything. No. I think that it's, I understand that just like them making out and then cutting to the next day and then they wake up in bed together tells mm-hmm. the whole story. Mm-hmm. And this is when the movie, like them having beers on the beach at night and then going back and initiating the threesome in their little home. Mm -hmm. That is when the movie leaves the present and starts having more disparate threads into the future Mm -hmm. in the narration in the structure of the storytelling itself. So I get it. Like that's sort of the, that's the last time the three of them were ever fully together. Right. And you get it. And I love an Mm -hmm. economy. But I also, you know, I like... Uh, I just want to see the boys fight. I want to see the boys in bed. Jesus. And not the morning after. All right. This has become a real problem for me with a lot of movies we watch for this show. Like, with Nell and I, for instance, I'm like, I like it. You just want them to But fight. you have to kiss. And then in this, I'm like, I see that you kissed. You have to do more. Mm-hmm. You just you wanted Al Pacino and Robert De Niro to fuck. I did. Mm. Both of those I boys, mean, yeah. by the way. Anita Mama Tambien. They got great asses. Hey. They're mm. young and spry. Diego, spry, uh, Diego right. Luna, I think, is cuter. I, in, in this. Okay. But he, if you talk about now, Gal Garcia Bernal has aged yes. much more, into a much more distinguished, yes. handsome, He's graceful very figure. very hot with the salt and pepper. Big time. I want to put it all over my food. Um, <laughs> you want to put one? Diego, thank you. Diego Luna, while still cute... He's, he, Gael Garcia Bernal aged into something, like, Diego Luna went twonk. Gael, Gael Garcia Bernal somehow just, like, States he felt. skipped twonk mm-hmm. and went from twink to daddy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Diego Luna well, is just very, permanently He's still twonk. a very tiny man. Yeah. Yeah. You can well, so pick him Diego up Luna. and flick him around yeah. in Mozart in the Jungle. Mm. But you're, Diego Luna does seem taller. Just because I think Probably. that their torsos I mean, and their yeah. legs are different sizes, even if it all adds up to about the same, I think that they have different dimensions. Where yeah, are I think notes? that's that's fair. <laughs> Did you finish Mozart? No, but I, I was going to watch the last season. 
It ended, right? Yeah. Or is it still on? No. It ended. They said season four would be the final season. Goodbye. And it's just very much like, why do I watch this? But I still kept watching it. Golden Kyle, Globe hot. award winning yeah. program. I just uh, forgot about that. Because he's hot. He's Bernadette hot. Peters in my home on my television. It's like, it's, very exciting. it's a lot of things that I enjoy, but... And then season it, one is very good. I forget who made the joke on Twitter that Mozart in the Jungle is just a make work program for the Coppola children because they're all executive producers <laughs> right, on it. Right, it really is. <laughs> Wait, Sophia? No, the other Roman. Oh, all the, the, all the, the, the um, yeah, the other Schwartz Coppola's. bombs on it. Yeah, Schwartz bombs. Schwartzman. What did I say? Schwartz bomb. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know, guys. My brain. Talia Shire's children. Yes. Yes. The cousins. Schwartz bomb. Mm-hmm. Offshoot, the offshoot. Who? Uh, what? <laughs> the huh? adjacent Coppola's. Whom? Whomst? Whomst are you just talking about? Whomst wildly? I was thinking about not Jason Schwartzman, but frequent collaborator Wes Anderson mm. during Roma, mm. because while I do think that there is a lot of <clears throat> Fellini-esque flourishes with the wide shots and the ensemble mm. and all this life unfolding, also reminded me of Jacques Tati. Yeah. Who I think Wes Anderson would point to in some of his more cartoony works. There's a lot of tableau filmmaking. Oh, yeah. And if you like tableau filmmaking, couldn't more highly recommend a film called Loving that came out a couple years ago. Jeff Nichols directed it. It got some Oscar nominations. Oh, my God. I forgot that movie existed. Ben's a huge fan. As am I. I like that movie. Five-star film. I just forgot it existed. It is a story told through living tableau. (laughs) (laughs) People are loving, loving. People weren't Not loving, anymore. Loving. People were like, it's nice, it's distinguished. And I'm like, it is so elegant <laughs> in its storytelling. And I was like, well, maybe Jeff Nichols really has lost it. <laughs> I think that was my exact thought leaving the theater. <laughs> Did you like, what was it called? Midnight Run? Not really. What was it called? Midnight Something Express? M- Midnight Special? Midnight Special. Ew. I no, did not I, like. I, I think it has some... Me too. Some good like things in it. Kirsten Dunst has incredible, like... I don't even remember her being in that yeah, movie. Kirsten has, in yeah, she has incredible hair. She has, like, that Amish knot bun. It's very exciting. I, I think the I only movie, movie of his I like is Take Shelter. And from... And I didn't see Mud. Mud is good. What's the other one? Mud, Mud is good if a little then... straightforward, whereas Take Shelter is elliptical and mysterious, mm-hmm. and Michael Shannon, my most watched actor on Letterboxd two years ago. Nice. Yeah. And it might have been Take Shelter that pushed over the edge. Oh, Michael yeah. Shannon is just terrified mm-hmm. and kind of monstrous. That was the first movie I ever star. saw at a Lemley. What? Mm-hmm. What was yours, Brandon? What? First movie you ever saw at a Lemley. I don't know. What did It would have been... Because that was 2011. I had just graduated from college, and I just like didn't yet know that there were other movie theaters than the ArcLight and the Landmark, basically. There's always that moment for people in this city when they realize there's there's life outside yeah. the ArcLight. It was probably at the Royal, and it was probably... This is very super regional. regional. <laughs> Mine was 500 Days of Summer oh, wow. at the, Lemle- the Lemley Playhouse. Oh. Seven. What was I? Uh, this oh, is lovely. this is a waste of air. Me trying. People to are think so the interested. The coffee is still brewing. Yeah, the coffee's a brewing. It's beeping. That means it's done. I'll pour you guys a cup. I'd love a cup. <laughs> I'd love a steaming hot cup of Joe. This has become Amy Sedaris at home. I don't have any 
creamer or milk, but I have sugars. I will have it with I have real no sugar, sugar and fake sugar. I need sugar. Did you guys Do you see want real sugar? But Brandon, you're sweet enough as is. Oh. One I'll moment, everyone. Did you see the iced tea? What's his name? Tea. <laughs> tea. tea. I don't man. even I don't know what you're talking I, about. What's is his name Ice Tea? There is Ice Tea exists. Yeah. <laughs> did did coffee make you think of iced tea? No, hold on. Yes, Ice Tea tries coffee for the first time. It's amazing. He's like, you know, I usually drink Kool-Aid and grape juice. So this is, I don't like, he's apparently never had coffee before. And he was so he it? tries and he's like, black coffee sucks. Coffee with sugar's like, okay, but coffee with cream and sugar, that's where it's at. And I'm like, same iced tea. Do you do cream and sugar? I always Normally? do cream and sugar, yeah. That's quite a bit. I have a sweet tea with buzz. my coffee. I'm trying to wean myself off, but it's it's hard. I like it with a little splash of almond milk or oat if you've got it. Oh my god! Have you heard about got the it. oat milk shortage? Yes, and I had this explained like to me when I was in New York that that the way that the the reason why there are oat milk shortages, and I don't remember exactly what it was. This is a great thing to talk about on mic because I don't remember the story at all. But it had something to do with we hadn't been using oats in this capacity for a long time, and now that we are, we're like fucking up. The amount of oats in production. Like, I think the demand has overtaken the supply yeah. of oats. It's like that. Have you seen that Instagram woman where she was mine? like, yeah. oh, my yeah, God. Done the, the sugar. sugar. Thank you, Daddy. Did you see, um, have you seen the Instagram Wait, woman hold on, hold on, hold on. where she's like, um, <sighs> pow. You guys remember that bit? <laughs> Early days of WTF. So he, for a long time, he, he had a sponsor, uh, JustCoffee.coop, and in the introductions, he would take a sip of coffee and go, ah, pow, I just shit my pants, every single episode for the longest time. You should tell, tell, tell our listeners. I have in my hand a gift from Brandon. <laughs> it's a holy text. It's the best movie of the year. Um, I have a screener of... Peter Farelli Phil. <laughs> Peter, hey, Peter Farelli. Peter Farelli. Thank you, you know, Vigo Mortensen <laughs> literally says the line, hey, I'm working here. Oh, my Does he God. really? He literally says, I'm working here. Uh, I cannot wait. His performance is to watch peak extra ham on the caricature. Pizza. Like, it's, it's, mm. I think David Ehrlich said this and I agree. Vigo goes so far with the caricature that it like doubles back, does a loop de loop back around to like something oddly real. So it's Meryl Thatcher. It's, oh fuck yeah! Yeah, I mean it is. He's doing, award winner. Yes. he's doing. Yeah, Vigo's doing the iron. He literally, there's a part in the movie where he's going. Vigo's going full Iron Lady. Where, where like Mahershal is giving like a real, like honest, like mm. performance. Is mm-hmm. Mahershal a great? Mahershal is great. Yeah. Um, I mean, the character is horribly written, but he does what he can with it. Um, did you guys read the Cam Collins piece? Yeah, I, I did. shouldn't have read it because I haven't seen. The I movie read yet. it. I read it after I watched the movie, and I agree. 100%. Highly recommended. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it will after I the whole the movie should have been. The movie shouldn't exist. I mean, and if it does exist, it should be flipped. Like Mahershal yeah, should be the, the lead. lead. Because there's, oh my God. So there's a moment where Mahershala says something and under his breath, Vigo just goes like, 
He literally just says <laughs> gibberish. <laughs> it's incredible. I want to see the subtitle on your screen there for that. Uh, just Italian gibberish in brackets. Uh, I may actually fire up my old laptop, which I still have, but doesn't work very well, but mm. to see if it'll play a DVD. Well, that'll work great for Green Book, because from what I understand, it's a movie that doesn't work very well. Mm. So that's the right DVD. I sighed heavily like five times. How great. I was just like, how great. This is... We've talked about it before. I don't know if we I don't know if we talked about it on the mic, bada bing, bada boom, but we've talked about it off mic. Gabagool. Gabba this is the year that I will not be seeing any Oscar movie that I don't want to see. Proud of you. No Bennett's doing the you. same thing. So I won't see Bohemian. Bohemian. See, I'm I wanted starting to, to see funny Green enough, Book. I'm coming around on Bohemian Rhapsody. Just that, that that is one both of these I am morbidly curious Bohemian about. will get a Best Picture nomination. I want to understand. You, no, you, you just said you haven't seen no, it. No, and I won't. I don't something think that's I, the one I won't see. Yeah, there's something I'm genuinely interested in is when a movie makes a shitload of money is that I want to see it to know why. I feel the same way Green about... Green Book didn't do well, right? No. It, no, but it is, it is now doing better. It is yeah. accumulating that steady word of mouth. It is making more money. I mean, white old, people old, are loving it. White people over 40 are like, you God, you must see Green Book. I, I, I only uh, observed this secondhand, so I can't actually point to to my resources here. So maybe I'm just making this up. Or someone else made it up and I'm just parroting it. But my understanding is that a few key Oscar prognosticators whose names I won't mention flipped a lid when Green Book didn't deliver on the extravagantly over-the-top grosses for Thanksgiving week mm. that, that they all thought were gonna, that was going to yeah. happen. Right. And they so took it, it so fucking personally. So it yeah. fucked up their, their prognosticating. Yeah. I, like, this what? is a movie that's going to reach audiences. Yeah. And, well, hmm. everyone saw the favorite. Hmm. hmm. I, what so now? Ben, you, no, 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 no. It was, who was it that, whose parents wanted to see the favorite? Did you tweet about that? Someone's parents, yeah, in like the deep Midwest or something, was like, "I want to see the favorite." And it's like, if your ghost can reach, yeah, my dad, I can't, I'm gonna feel bad. It was I, not me, but I did show my mom the trailer, and she was like, "Yes, let's I think see it was, that." So we can cut this if it's not true, but I think it was Dory. Oh, okay, yeah, it was. It, um, I mean, people want to see the favorite. Mm-hmm. I. Ever since I like kind of told her at Hanukkah that I have a podcast, I'm very scared that she's going to listen to this. But what the hell? This is meant with all sorts of love. But my my aunt's mother, who is sort of my grandmother, not by blood, but like my grandmother here in Los Angeles. She's, this, she's your Karen Kiki. She's my Karen Kiki. She's who I'm going to go live with when I commit a crime with my mm-hmm. with my boyfriend, mm-hmm. a crime of passion. And then we're all going to move into her Santa Monica apartment. But so I see her, I saw her at Hanukkah and I saw her at my cousin's birthday like a week or so before. She knows that I love movies. She's in a little movie group. She always wants to talk movies with me. I love talking movies with her. Mm-hmm. We, we have had some robust discussions over the years. She, um, she loved the insult. And that's the, that's the one time I was like, I would just like nod at my head and was like, yeah. I can't go there. But she, like she loved Boy Erased. And then... Oof. But then at Hanukkah, anytime there was a lull in the conversation, she would be like, everybody, you have got to see The Favorite. It is the most erotic movie mm. of the year. And then just like all her kids and grandchildren are just like looking at her like, Grandma. Like, I love that. Down. Same. <laughs> the Favorite of all movies is it's really re- it's, reaching It's reaching people. everybody. Mm. And I was kind of, you know, she she's a sophisticated moviegoer, but because she, she does... You know, she, she's like me in that she loves the gooey movies. Mm-hmm. So I was nervous how she was going to feel about something as caustic and acerbic yeah. and just negative as The Favorite. And yeah, she loved it. The favorite, Everybody loves The Favorite. I think people like it because 
the the heart really shines through. I think people really see that it's a love story, except for the girls that were leaving the landmark when I after I saw Mary Queen of Scots and mm. one girl they were just like talking about it, and one girl just paused and she goes, "I don't think about movies critically," <laughs> and her friends <laughs> were just like. Yeah, I think the queen was a lesbian, but I don't think anyone else was. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, and then my favorite line, which I tweeted, was one of them said of Joe Alwyn and Emma Stone, she did not treat him right. Oh, God. <laughs> was that Taylor Swift who was coming out of your favorite <laughs> yes. screening? Yes. I always love when, when people say, like, I don't watch movies critically. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean that in sort of a snide way. I, it, I think it's funny because it's like, Everybody watches everything critically mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Like I'll I'll go home for the holidays and I will like recommend that we watch something as a family. And inevitably one of my parents will be like, Daniel, look, we don't watch movies the same way. When we watch movies, we just want to enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. When you're watching a movie, you're just you're going so granular and trying to pick it all out. I'm like, no, I go to the movies because I'm also trying to enjoy movies. Yeah. And any impression you've ever had from a movie was because you were paying attention to what was actually going on mm-hmm. screen. So it's 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 not you know it's saying you just want to enjoy a movie is a critique in itself that you're prejudging a different movie that you think won't be entertaining. But these this, right. this, this these are my family members who also loved First Performed, for mm-hmm. instance. Yeah, which is not that type of movie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's like the Roger Ebert quote of people ask him all the time, "What should we go see?" And he'll say, "Whatever is one of the best movies of the year," and they'll be like, "I don't think that's for us." Then yeah. There was some. I, I'm I'm very concerned about the direction the Academy is going in right now. Not just the popular film thing, and not just the way that the new president, what's his name, John Bailey, keeps sticking his foot in his mouth. Mm-hmm. But I think someone should have gone with Laura. Should have gone. No, if Laura Dern oh, had been the president, Laura. Kevin Hart never would have happened. Yep. Best popular film never would have happened, and mm-hmm. we would still be seeing best sound mixing and best live action short film on the telecast. Mm-hmm. She would not bow to ABC's demands. She bows to no one. She bows to no one. She, she drive her ship straight through all of the ABC buildings. She too can command the wind, sir. Mm-hmm. What was I gonna say? Oh, I I just feel like I don't know if it was John Bailey who said that. I'm I'm just like so bad because today I'm just giving half truths and I feel so everything I'm saying right now grain of salt. But I think something from the Academy. There's a quote that came out of the Academy or someone Academy adjacent who was basically saying like regular people want to know more of the movies that are nominated. They they wish that the nominations reflected more what everybody was seeing. And I'm like, well, this is a much longer conversation because by that logic, we would only be nominating superhero movies. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be nominating Green Book. Maybe we'd nominate The Favorite. But, like, it's just... I just, like, know your audience. You know... Know your fucking audience. Yeah. To that point, what I hear from, like, family Unless members... Black Panther hosts the Oscars. People don't care who hosts the Oscars. Yeah. Go ahead. That... When the awards conversations happen, people are just like, I wish I could see those movies. <laughs> Not, I wish a movie I already saw was nominated, but just like, I, I remember having a very long conversation with one of my Mormon cousins about, well, I will never see Moonlight in a theater, and I wish I could have, because it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is what I meant, like it's a much larger conversation, because mm-hmm. I don't think the onus goes on the movie going public at right. large, but when you look at the majority of films that studios are putting out, mm-hmm. and then you look how like Disney has these deals where they get to like snatch up screens and hold mm-hmm. them for a long amount of time, mm-hmm. um, this is why Roma, what we're here to talk about ostensibly, like didn't end up at the draft houses, um, the Alamo draft houses, because Netflix was demanding that they do like a six week run or something, yeah. which would have bled into the drop on 
the Netflix website. Uh-huh. So it doesn't make like they were like we would love to show this, but that makes no sense at all. They're just they're they're just emulating the same types of deals that Dis- like studios like Disney are doing in the mm-hmm. theaters. And as a result, there's just so few screens that are available. Yeah. And when you feed the public just the same product and get them used to this as what a mainstream movie is these days, well, there are certainly people, I imagine, who are still very curious, like your cousin, or, or would just love access to these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I think it does come down to access. Mm-hmm. This is where I think that, this is where I think that, um, like, VOD does have a more vital role yeah. in the conversation mm-hmm. here. people can seek out those movies. Yeah. I have no problem with day and date. And sometimes I... I I will all it. I like will always try to see a movie in a theater, VOD. but I would rather everyone have access to a movie on the same day. I agree. Yeah. I'm not even sure how much it cuts into profits in that imagine you're gonna reach so many more people when mm-hmm. it's just available for purchase I on agree. your cable box or on the internet. If we're talking about a movie that's only gonna get released in New York, LA, Boston, Chicago, like that market. Even if you take off the people who are gonna just watch it at home rather than go to the theater. So you're making about half your money on those tickets. I yeah. imagine you make up for it, and I don't know anything about distribution, but I imagine imagine that you make up for that, more yeah. than make up for that, in all of the states with curious, hungry moviegoers who otherwise wouldn't have access to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the studios that have a problem with it. It's AMC and Regal yeah. have basically said, we won't show your big movies if you do this with your small right. movies. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, the exhibition, exhibitors have a stranglehold on this industry. Yeah. It's fucked up. I hate them. Well, AM- I do not speak for my corporation. AM- <laughs> AMC are a bunch of bastards anyway. Oh, God, mm-hmm. AMC. I hate going to the AMC theaters because there's just so much. There's 18... 18- Trailers. trailers and then they're like Stubbs program, Stubbs program, Stubbs program. Oh, have you ever tried to get a, have you ever tried to get a popcorn so at the AMC? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. What do they do? You ever try to get a, like any concessions at an AMC? There are two it's lines. Stubbs. There is a cast system at AMC. Oh yeah, yeah if you yeah. are a Stubbs member, you, you get, get to, to go, go in the fast line. It's so otherwise up. you're in the cattle herd. Yeah. You can be in line for 20 minutes, and I have been. Maybe not. That's exaggerated. I've been in line for more than 10 minutes, maybe mm-hmm. up to 15. You can. You can be next in line, and then someone just strolls up through the empty stubs line, and they still get to go before yeah. you. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. It's so weird. I haven't been to an it's AMC in a while. And I went to uh, The Grove to see Schindler's List this week. Mm-hmm. And first of all, they've remodeled. Have you guys been to The Grove? Lately? I have been to The Grove recently, but not to the was... theater. But I, they were doing remodels last summer. They have, uh, I guess it's been that long since I've been there. They they put all the candy on in as you're waiting. Like, in the line area, they're like... Oh. Bookshelves of candy. Like an AMC. Mm-hmm. So you buy it with your ticket. Mm-hmm. No, not there. At the concession. It's like an AMC. Oh, but like they do the... that at the Americana too. And, oh. and it's at Pacific Theater. It's the I've same I've never theater. seen that. I mean, not here. I've yeah. never seen that. Um, so they're done with the remodel? Yeah. I think the seats are new. I'm sure they're new. It looks new. We're they getting super new. regional. Super yeah. Regis and Kelly about it. Also, and you're going to the New Beverly tonight. Yeah. It was oh, really nice. Take uh, photos. I want there to were know. no trailers in front of Schindler's List. Hell Fuck yeah. yeah. You got it Steven's was, announcement. There were just like five minutes of black, and I was like, either they forgot to start it or there are no trailers, and they're just holding for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then Steven came on nice. and said hello. Hello, Steven. So I'm going to link together our AMC conversation and the cool. Schindler's List conversation in that it is still playing next week in a theater. Oh, is it? 
Yeah, and so I really I haven't seen Schindler's List. It's an enormous ever, line, but never. We've talked about this. I guess we have. Yeah, we've talked. About it this. is always shocking to me that people like got through American High School without seeing Schindler's List. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I wish that I had seen it, but I wanted to see it. Oh, you didn't go to high school in America. I went to high school in America for uh, two. I went to I went to public school in America for 10 of 12 years. That's much more where I come from. Well, you're, they're not going to show Schindler's List of fifth graders. <laughs> no, although um, when I was in the sixth grade, my friend saw Schindler's List, and he was so scarred by it yeah. and told so much of it to me in just uh, explicit, violent detail mm-hmm. that I got so upset, as I should be, I got yeah. so upset about it secondhand. Of course, I knew what the Holocaust was, yeah. but... I had never Schindler's seen List has the most upsetting sequence in any movie ever made. And I don't want you to say what it is, but... Have I, you seen it? I think it is something that was Lines described down. to me when I was very young. And so for years, I was like, I just won't be able to handle this movie. Mm-hmm. And now it's like I've seen such horrors on yeah. the screen. Like, I just want to see it. And um, I think... I didn't want to, like, launch into my Schindler's List thing on the mic. I was going to not talk about it in the end. But here we are. Um... I've seen it, I think, four times in full, twice in a theater. Um, shout out to USC for showing this film on 35 millimeter to me. Hell yeah. Um, and then the 4K restoration. Um, as I get older, it I, I see so much more in it than I ever did. Like, it was always, like, this visceral experience about the Holocaust, but I don't think... Jeffrey McCran... Fellow film fag, I don't know if he actually listens to this podcast, but I think he he has occasionally because he tells me like once every six months he listened to an episode. He has the best drag of this podcast ever, which was when he tweeted a video links. of braying mules <laughs> and said this week on at movies IMO, and it was the just something like. Yep. That's right, I remember that. We are the mules, but we were both <laughs> talking about we didn't realize. Like what Ben Kingsley is doing in this movie as a performer, as an as an actor, and he's the heart of the movie, and he is just—it's really beautiful. And I also think that this movie, so this movie works because of Ben Kingsley, and this movie works because Spielberg, as a technician, shoots every single person like a star, and that's true of all of his movies, and it really makes everyone special. It means so much more in this context, mm-hmm. and I think. This is the f- first time that I was able to track, like, the same tiny character. There are, like, four, like, major Jewish people that you're following through the whole movie. And then there are, like, a dozen other tiny characters. And this was the first time I was ever able to, like, really track them through the whole movie. And I think that's just because I'm older and I have more empathy towards people. And... I think it's a great age for the both of you to see it. Take well, a look. I'm, I will. Also, Ray Fiennes gives the greatest performance in the history of film. And, I, and Ray, Ray Fiennes is a notorious sex symbol in my life. So I'm, I mean, I need, and he plays a Nazi. In he's, this. he's a vicious Nazi and he, he is shirtless quite a bit. Well, what I oh, wanted wow. to say, how I wanted to tie this together with AMC, it is playing at 1 AMC theater next week. And it's the fucking recliner theater in the mall. Where we saw Unfriended Dark Web, no, and Burbank. I can't imagine a place I would, I would prefer less to see Schindler's yeah. List than that theater specifically. Because what yeah, if you end up in the front sucks. row? Like, well, we I won't, because I'll probably go in the middle of the day. Okay. But I mean, also when I went, no, like no one is going to see this. 
I just think it's important to go. And you will never have a better experience than the 4K restoration. That's exactly right. Unless some theater shows it on 35 millimeter. It just feels very crass to me to be in a theater that is designed for the utmost comfort. I find that a little revolting. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I guess it's a way of checking, you know, your own. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Is that the... um, It's the one in... the small one, In the Burbank Mall. Not to get too regional. They probably just crammed it in there because... But I'm just like, no why? There are two it. theaters in that mall. Correct. This is the this is the recliner theater. I believe Burbank. There are three Once fucking again, movies. I didn't do any three of my research fucking today. AMC's on right. the same block. Block yeah. on yeah. the same block. We've been very. We've two, named every single theater in LA <laughs> on this podcast today. Even regional. in passing. Uh-huh. Now let's get regional to Mexico. Oh. <laughs> who's who, who's leading the pack this week? I think you are. I think it's me. I think it's my turn. If I mean, not that we have to keep going in a circle every time, but it's my. You turn. can do that, and then I'll do next week because I claimed that movie. Does that mean I get? Ago. Does that mean I get the mule? Yeah. Yes. Uh. <laughs> oh, did we? I get vice. We're all gonna. F- no, we're doing the mule first. I thought we switched them. You get mule. No, I'm doing. He if Beale vice. Street could talk. Oh my god! I for oh. oh. Mm. What are we doing here? What's the purpose of our meeting today, Brandon? <sighs> I forget. I'm just kidding. Okay, shut up. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Movies IMO. I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben Empey. Daniel Crook. That's a very long introduction. We are your fave film <laughs> fags. We just did. We just so did. What? Who cares? We just did Mountains Made Depart, and then our opening credits didn't come in until the first act was over. Mm. My favorite. That's why I'm leading it because I did it on purpose. Your fave. I love it. Late credits. Mm. Um, today. We are here to talk about a film that has been streamlined into your television set via Netflix. So, if you're listening, hopefully you have watched Roma. You know, have you guys logged into your Netflix? It is the opening splash page when, before you, you, when you log in to your... You I've seen photos of it, but user. I haven't... It, that didn't happen when I logged on. I guess. Do you just have one user on yours? Mm-mm. Huh, interesting. Because it's my mom's account. Huh. I have a name on it. Yeah, didn't they tweet the screenshot and they were like, "Well, can't you can't say Netflix is burying this." It. True, but and, and no, absolutely not because that's that is the first screen you see. But mm-hmm. once you click into your account, uh-huh. I would expect them to still have it splashed. I got up. it. I got happy as Lazaro. It oh. vanishes. The algorithm is working. I got Roma, but I, I got happy as Lazaro in those tall verticals they have now. My what are first these tall vertical. I have to. No, oh, I just well, have the I, I, at the top. I keep launching my app without updating, and I, these verticals mm. must be part of the update. Every platform is different. So if I launch it on PS4, which is how mm. I watch, that platform, that oh, interface has yeah, these uh-huh. nice verticals. So Roma was on the splash user page, but then once I'm in, my first thing is Lazaro. And See what then... happens if I log on right See, now. Oh, so I got Dumplin'. Oh. The algorithm's giving you Dumplin'. It changes every time yeah, you log in. Yeah, it's probably in. because I've already watched Roma today, so I'm not going to watch it. I love right. this conversation about verticality, horizontality. Mm. In the films of Alfonso Cuaron, you think about a movie like Ichi Tambien, mm. where he is making full use of both the depth, and then he's doing, I don't know if he's shooting with a telephoto lens, but then he is able to, like in the, sheen, in the scene where Julio is in the pool with all the leaves, and then he like dips down into it, mm. the shot goes <gasps> up oh, yeah. rather than back. Yeah. Mm. Just saying. He, this guy knows his way around an X and you Y axis. You might say. <laughs> what might we say? Chivo's a pretty good cinematographer. You might say. Uh, he's... 
pretty good. You might you say. Might Tell say. your Chivo story. Well, I've already written it down because Chivo is so obsessed with airplanes and <laughs> in solo concert. I thought this was going to be so obsessed with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is. He and is. He, he took my picture mm, at the at the LAX protest for the uh, for the Muslim ban back last January. Oh, I remember this story. Me and my friend Mikey and his sister were on our way back to our cars. We saw one Emmanuel Lubezki with his camera mm-hmm. as we were crossing a street. We're like, oh my fucking god, is that Chivo? And they were just like, I wouldn't Chivo! recognize him. That's yeah, so funny. I wouldn't know him on the street. We just either. like screamed Chivo, uh-huh. thinking we'd just get like a wave. Yeah. And then he runs up to us. He starts directing us. Probably because no, he wouldn't expect he, that. He know? basically he positions us basically right where we are. It's not uh-huh. like he dragged us across the street. He right. worked that's the thing about Chivo. Like he was working with the space that we had mm-hmm. and was able to maximize the most epic potential of it. Yeah. So he was like, You guys stand right here, show me the signs. Okay, uh, and then he started getting getting the frame, and then he did a low angle beneath us, and he said, "Just hold this, just hold it, hold it." He got the picture, and then I see an airplane has just flown overhead, and Incredible. then he posted on his Instagram later that day, where like in uh, Silicon to Pareja, the just the the fascination with planes being really cool. So it's the three of us with our signs and making a peace signs or whatever, and then the plane is landing on top of us in the oh. sky. Classic Chivo. Ah, Chivo. That's the last shot of Roma. Yeah, and by the way, not not Chivo, not, not not the takeaway from I the LAX it. protests or the Muslim ban. Not saying that, but he just loves airplanes. And one of the movies we watched, and so mm-hmm. I love the book. The book ending of the Roma, shots. the airplane. Mm-hmm. When when I saw it for some in the theater, and it opens on that, you know. First the tiles and then the soap and then you mm. get the water and then you see the reflection of the plane. Uh-huh. I gasped yeah. I mean, aloud. I gasped aloud when we got I the think re- I just said like wow just to myself. The reflection of the skylight, period. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those places where we know that there's been a visual effect. And it's something that's so nice about it is because the camera is just immediately above the title, so the reflection would be the lens of the camera itself. And it's just, you know, it's it's a way of Elevating the mundane into something hugely cinematic and epic. Yeah. yeah. Without taking, I mean, I've been thinking about scope with Roma and about how I don't think, I just said that it elevates it, but I don't think that he's like taking a small story and making it huge. Like, I don't, I don't think he's, no, well, I do think he's blowing it up. My metaphor would be it's more like he's using the microscope and that when you look at something very small, it actually is abundant with yeah. all these separate organisms and structures and, and vibrancy inside of it. So mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'm saying is like it's not like he's intentionally blowing it up. He's I'm just, just shining a light on something that's already there. Sure. But just, just that, it, that there's so much energy in all these frames yeah. and there's just so many little details that are bustling all over the place and it's not like he did it for the point of making it huge. It's just saying that if you look, if you American Beauty look closer, Ugh, there's a lot going on at all times in the tininess. So Adam's buzzing. If it hasn't been clear yet, we are talking about Alfonso Cuaron's latest picture which is on Netflix right now. Roma, watch it if you haven't. Turn this podcast off. Turn it off. Shut it down. Go watch it and then come back. Okay. Welcome back. Two hours and 15 minutes later, you've mm. now seen Roma. A brisk 2.15, by the way. <laughs> it is. Oh my God, it it's zips. Very brisk. Um, we're also talking about Alfonso Cron's two Spanish language, two other Spanish language films. <gasps> y tu mama también. And Solo con tu pareja. Mm-hmm. Which what was the one trans? What's the one English title that's really funny? Only love in the damn. time of hysteria. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you're kidding. Because it translates to <laughs> only with your only partner, with your partner. But yeah. the other translation, if you go on IMDb, is love in the time of which hysteria. is I understand was an actual 
billboard campaign in Mexico. So oh, really? Pareja. That was like a phrase that people would recognize. Really? Then. The, I mean, the... Hyster- 91, right? Yeah. Yeah. The hysteria is on point just in that this film feels very much cut from the same cloth as an our movie to me, just with yeah. the very screwy melodrama, mm-hmm. the splashy mm-hmm. colors, the elements of farce, yeah. all the doors opening and closing. Yeah. It feels very women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Everybody's mm-hmm. on the ledge. They're going to fall. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then this, the, the breathless scenes through traffic at the end where everyone's zooming to the point of final destination mm-hmm. feels very Almodovar to me in a way that yeah. I... Of all the directors, I would think that one of their first films, or first film? I think it's his first film. First, first worked, feature? Yeah, I think he did some TV stuff. I, he would be, Alfonso Coron would be the last person. <laughs> I would think that like his first film bears so much resemblance yeah. to an Almodovar picture. Yeah. But it does. But it does. But it does. So Roma is about, this is very easy, it's about a nanny slash maid to a wealthy family. In Mexico, they're in Mexico City mm-hmm. in the Roma district. Oh, is that why it's that's where the it's the titular role? It's the titular role, mm. um, and that's it. That's the plot. Yeah, how easy is so that? A year in the life. Yeah, about a year. It starts in 1970, yeah. and then it becomes 1971, and it yes. does not do the boogie nights thing where. Everything's good and fun in the mm. first year, and then it's New Year's, and then Bill Macy shoots himself in the oh, head, and then things just get so worse and worse from there. If anything, the grace continues to unfold wow. through some tragedy wow. in the back half. There is tragedy. Oh, there's tragedy. I told you guys that someone passed out. In yeah. The Did they pause the movie? So <laughs> I still want to know. if they th- Wait, so tell the story. All right. So I'm in the Landmark Theater. We're getting regional again. Mm-hmm. And it's the... It's, for me, the most upsetting scene in the movie when uh, Yolitza Aprecio as Cleo is holding her dead child, mm-hmm. right? It's extremely upsetting, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't think, like, for me, it's like, oh, I've seen everything. This isn't this isn't disturbing to me. It's just very upsetting. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm in the emotion of it, but for one of the audience members, it was just hard. It to was look. the exorcist. It was very difficult to look at, and they passed out. They passed out. They were above me to my left, mm-hmm. and they passed out like forward. They oh. like fell forward, oh so it was a big clatter, and everyone was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" I mean, she was fine. She just like she got up pretty immediately. But like audience members who were like, you know, a little overzealous, were right. like, "Somebody call a doctor! Is there a doctor in that screaming?" Yeah. I thought you were gonna say the overzealous like film bros were like, "Pause it! You have this is." This is Roma. Like, this well, is the most important well, movie that's ever been well, made. So there were two, you have to pause it. Well, there were two sides. There was the person screaming, call, somebody call a doctor. And then somebody, like, there was a five-second pause. And then somebody down below who wasn't near the clattering mm. was just like, somebody pause the movie. Well, do you think they... Do you like, think, do you, annoyed. Do you think annoyed they would say tone. that for a movie that wasn't being distributed by Netflix? That was my first thought when you said that when you told this story through text. Would they say that if it wasn't a movie? They Does, would. Do you pause it? The, those words specifically, pause it? Maybe. I, I mean, yeah. I pause it that I've never heard anyone say the words pause it in a movie theater. I, and it's I just would, like, it's just like, 
go. I mean, I I wasn't sure what I was gonna do. I was like, do yeah. I have to leave? Like, is yeah. it over? Is this yeah. it? Luckily, the woman was like quickly <laughs> escorted out. Yeah. Um, they did. I hope she's okay. To answer your question, Ben, they didn't pause them. She was fine. She got up five seconds later. She needed a glass of water. Like she was okay. Well, let's fine. not be so dismissive. <laughs> we don't know why she fainted. Let's not be dismissive. Whatever. Maybe she was dying. She wasn't okay. dying. We're not gonna joke about this lady. We're just gonna move just on saying. to the next topic. <laughs> Oh, this reminds me. I wanted to discuss my theatrical experience last night. Sure, I saw a letter to three wives at oh, yeah. the Billy Wilder Theater. That's we missed that one. Yeah, when we were listing all the theaters. First of all, the it started at seven thirty, quote unquote. The movie started at eight oh five p.m. I saw your tweet. I was very upset. You are so thirty now. I've always hated that. <laughs> yeah, that's no, no, always no, 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 for sure, for sure. But the very vocal complaints I'm are so like, adorably I'm thirty. I'm I don't done. Have time for this. this I don't. Is thirty. I could have shown up at eight o'clock and not seven thirty. I I rushed to get there. Um, I had a whole extra half hour. But what I would, but I, what I wanted to say is sometimes the, you don't know why these things start late. I though. know. Were people but, still filing in? Well, no, because he spoke for twenty minutes of that time, a full twenty. Who was doing the introduction? I don't remember his name. It was a, a thematic a he, film history contextualization. He was talking about jo- Joseph L. Mankiewicz. He was talking about nitrate film. People were shouting out questions. What happens if it lights on fire during the movie? Oh, fuck off. And I like. I mean, he, I love curiosity. He literally but come on. He went into granular detail answering people's questions about the film. That, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You start the screening by saying a couple things about the movie. We unfortunately don't have a Q&A afterwards as we couldn't get a member of the Mankiewicz estate. I would love to stay afterwards and answer some questions and tell everybody a little bit more about the nitrate print you just watched. Yeah. Stick around for a talk back with me afterwards. Yeah. That's what not. you do. That's just, the move. He just babbled. Because I, I pulled out my phone and checked the time when he actually got up there and it was like 741 and then I kept checking my phone until I mean, they started I, moving. I do these introductions, and I know that I always go on a little too long. And the longest I've gone is like five minutes. Yeah. And five that, minutes and, and is that, great. That, no, no. That's when I was fully rambling. Mm-hmm. And it was still five you can, minutes. You can pack a lot in. Oh, yeah. Okay. But the guy sitting behind me during the whole movie, whenever he enjoyed something, he would either go, yeah. Ew. He would not laugh. He would just say, yeah, like to a joke, too. Or he would say, that's great. Woo! <laughs> oh, shut the fuck up. I was so mad. And then someone over here had like a horrible What was laugh. going on with Mary Queen of Scots being having motion smoothing on? Uh, I was just joking. It just looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> the movie just looks so ugly. Ah. Uh. Can't wait to see it. They shot it it on, it's like a BBC camera from the 80s. Whatever they shot it on. All right, let's, oh, I was going to try to center us back. (laughs) Oh, no, no, we can, we can center. I'll I'll get this in right now and then then we'll be done with it because we all just talked about our movie going experiences. I saw it at AFI Fest. Netflix bought popcorn for everybody in the theater Mm. in in individual, not individualized, but in custom made popcorn buckets that said experience Roma on the side and then had the poster with everybody hugging on the beach on both sides. They also gave away free sodas. I didn't want one, but I did have the free popcorn and do you have to pick the soda or is there just like a table? You picked this. Well, I I think there's a table with like Sprites, Diet Coke, maybe a Fanta, Mm -hmm. but they Netflix had bought or not bought. They had reserved the entire section, the middle uh, or not the front section, but the middle orchestra at the Egyptian theater. So we can mark that one off the list. Oh my God. So 
they took up a lot of the seats for Netflix people or guests of Netflix mm-hmm. that they wanted to see it. So maybe they'd host screenings or, or tell all their friends to vote for it at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. What infuriated me, and by the way, I love the movie. I had a great time watching it. I will probably see it a third time, but in the theater because I so missed the aural experience yeah. when I was watching it at home. Mm. And also, I, well, I'll get into something else later, but after the movie, I was with fellow film fag Jorge Molina and we left the theater March dried out through the double doors, and then Netflix, or several double doors of the Egyptian, of course. Netflix had hired all these essentially canvassers mm-hmm. to stand out front with clipboards. By the way, Alfonso Crone could not come to the screening. He gave us a video introduction saying, mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to record a little message and tell Alfonso why you loved the movie so much? And it just infuriated me because I'm like Alfonso Cuaron is an Academy Award winning director who has been producing noteworthy work for decades Mm -hmm. he is not some scrappy young upstart he is not Cleo in the movie don't ask us to send him words of encouragement like this is some (laughs) grassroots small indie campaign fuck Florence Foster, fuck off! So I hated it. It was so tacky. They're they're and the so most, transparent. Uh, cash rich company in the industry, doing doing a campaign for an incumbent best director winner. He has not lost f- since he made his last movie. Correct. <laughs> it's just like it, it was also it was also that she was calling him Alfonso, uh-huh. so casual, yeah. and it's like. He's not a pet dog. Yeah. Like, we're not, oh, we don't need to scratch Alfonso behind the ears, sweetie. Like, come on. He's not the gay little brother in Roma. I love, what's his name? I forget what oh, each of their names are. I, it's, oh, he's Pepe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love him too. Mm-hmm. Do we want to start with water or <laughs> sound design? Or, <laughs> airplane, guys, or airplanes. You guys, pick. or, or dick. Oh, oh. Oh, well, that nude scene. Fermin. Fermin. I, What's I, it's Fermine. Whatever. There's an accent. Um, we're getting, or, or sorry, I love that Quaron showcases the physical phallus in in the films that we have watched today. That is a As lot I, of dick. He is not afraid of the female gaze or the male gaze of men. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't, such I a good think point. That, I think that looking at Itumama Tambien, Silicon Tu Pareja, they are, exp- and, and also Roma in its own way, if you want to look mm-hmm. at Fermin, they are these explorations of fragile masculinity. Mm-hmm. Roma is certainly about masculinity as well, but it's not told from that point of view. So right. if you're going to say female gaze, I maybe get that a little bit more in Roma. But I, I, and I know that you also said male gaze on men, but I just want to make the point. Like, I think that it's important to differentiate between a male filmmaker casting his own gaze on another man, like on a, on a man's nude body or just in, in, in a way that sort of, whether or not it just grossly sexualizes them, but adds like an amorous quality or whatever mm-hmm. that that doesn't necessarily, and I know this is not what you're saying again, I'm just saying this cause it's conversation, but like that doesn't necessarily make it female gaze to me. But in Roma there is well, actually, I think Roma is may, maybe in the scene in the, well in the bedroom that is yeah, literally Cleo's literally point of view. POV. Right. But like in Itumama Tambien, I wouldn't call that female gaze. But I love those diving boards. When they, they're jacking off on the diving boards. The diving boards and the oh, bubble butts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Jerking it together. <laughs> like brothers. Mm. I mean, with with that, let, well, let's, okay, we're going to start with the nude scene. Great. Where he's doing his martial arts. What a surprise. Arts. Doing martial arts. Doing martial arts. I mean, I think there's a through line. I mean, there's a lot of, 
there's political commentary. There's also commentary on masculinity, I think, going on. Mm-hmm. That's, Absolutely. That begins with that. Absolutely. Oh, right, because all the men fucking... It's a men suck movie, which we This is love. a men are trash movie. Yeah, yeah which, is, really which is. we love that. Um, I want to talk about the water. She's watching him in the nude scene with just mm-hmm. like the most... She's trying not to laugh. Bemused, yeah. 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 And what like, does she say? She's like, oh, do you train every day? Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like what she can this? barely, see, like she's yeah. holding it all, all the laughter Yes, in. yeah. She's trying so to not funny. let the laughter out. Because he is so, so serious. Masculine. Ha, ha. So masculine. Mm. So and strong. a total bastard, but also hot. Very but hot. in the context hot of the bastard. movie, kind of repulsive. I mean. Not but, kind of. But he his, shoots uh, it out. That that headshot I shared with with a real haircut. Mm. Mm. Hello, I could say something, Hello, but Zane. I don't want you to have to cut it out of the podcast. Oh. Um, water. Yes, <laughs> yes, we can start with water. We get the soap. We get the suds. We get we get hail. Her water hail. bursts. We get the buckets of water that are thrown onto the fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie is awash in water. It's wet. Feckend. It's a. <laughs> Roma is feckin'. You heard it here first. Roma's a feckin' movie. I would say that Roma's a moist motion picture. It really it's is. It's very moist. It's, it's not quite Tarkovsky moist. No. But it's moist. Nor, it's nor, a damp. Nor film. is it Loveless, like, melted. Mm. All the melted mm. snow and Loveless. Oh, Loveless is also a very wet movie. Yeah, for sure. I love wet movies. That was one of the things that I loved most about Loveless. It was like, I just love the pools of melted snow in this mm. abandoned concrete building. But the water is sort so of... It's so bleak. The water sort of ties in with the sound design because it's the sound design of the water. Well, it's isn't it? I mean, this movie, the sound design in Roma reminds me so much of the sound design in Lucrezia Martel films. And you mm-hmm. think about that metaphor that she did for all of us mm-hmm. that was bungled by the translator. And then on night two, <laughs> the translator got it a little bit more. But it's, and I think we've said it on here before, but it's basically like Lucrezia Martel holds up a water bottle, says, This is the theater, takes a phone, uh, takes the flashlight on a phone puts that up against the water bottle, says this is the screen and this light, like that is the picture coming out. But there's something else in this water bottle, which is the water itself, and the way that it is commingling with the light creates this immersive oral experience. The water is sound. And once it goes together with the picture... Then you're you're cooking. Then... Then, 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 you got, then, you got a, then you got a stew going mm. in a water bottle. And so Roma reminds me so much of that. Yes. And so in in, in the immersive qualities of <clears throat> the shape of water, I... Oh. <laughs> oops. I My log was... Another oh. connection. My log oh. was going to be the shape of water, 2017. It is, I mean, it is it's the shape literally of water. about the shape of water. <sighs> and the and color it, of water. And it all leads up to the beach scene. When the waves, okay, you. I remember Ben, you saying this when you saw it out of Toronto. You were like, when the camera goes over the water, mm-hmm. and it just it goes from the beach, and it just keeps going, and you're like, what the fuck? How? Well, oh, keep in mind this is after the camera started on, like, right not in the water, but yeah. right at the edge of the water, uh-huh. and then it goes in, up back in, and then, goes and then in. all the way back. I out. still don't know how they did it, and I would like to know. Is there just a man? <laughs> I would like to. I, is, there, there's the a man with I would like to see it. I would like to see like it. Going into like seven foot deep water. Well, the other it's thing insane. is that, and the way the, the, the way that the, where the sun is situated, I don't know how oh, many yeah. how much time they had to get this yeah. shot. But if you're gonna get that halo behind Cleo as mm-hmm. she's going into the water, mm-hmm. you, the sun. You, I mean, you've got two, two top, three yeah. tops, three mm-hmm. tops. But I think two solid takes. Yeah. And um, I cut you off, Brandon. The way the waves. 
crash across the That's what I wanted to say, yeah. It's, I mean, it reminded me, um, you know, it's basically an action movie in that moment. It's like, it reminded, they were uh, not an action movie, but like the way my heart Mm. was pounding. Mm -hmm. It reminded me the way my heart was pounding during like Children of Men, like the running sequence. It's it's that visceral Mm -hmm. for something so like intimate. And it's the, God, I mean, sound design there is just like the waves crashing is Huge. There's a few Big. moments where Roma almost makes an argument as a 3D movie, and I mm. think that's one of them. But yeah. there's also Fermin with his martial arts stick just mm. being thwacked right in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. There's the there's the scene after the fire at New Year's when everyone's just walking down that they're like I think they're kicking a soccer ball or something, but or no, they're like hunting lizards or something. Right. But then without even noticing, Cleo and uh, the the woman who works at the house they're at. They walk up in the foreground of the frame from the left side, and then your eye shifts that way. Mm-hmm. And then as 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 you're looking at them, this like group of goats just are breezing mm. right through camera That's as right. it's kicking up dust. Like it's Caron uses depth to full effect, just in terms mm-hmm. of like I don't want to say scopophilic pleasure because there's obviously a connotation with like more of a leer or a little more sexual there. But he there is just such a pleasure in watching his movies and what he is able to. Uh, just the, the 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 sheer amount of things he's able to make you watch. Yeah. yeah, I don't know a better way to say that. Even like, there's so many things to look at. That first moment where they go to the family gathering, like the aunt's place or whatever, and you saying um, there's so much to watch. That scene, I mean, in almost every shot, there's so much to watch. But that one when he pans over and they're shooting the guns or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that one specifically, I remember being like, it's so rich in every shot and of course like, the sound full. design in that too but yeah, yeah. absolutely and, and and the way that like without and i i it's not is the whole movie in deep focus i don't know offhand. because there is i'd love to talk we don't have to get into it right now but i would love to talk about the objective versus subjective qualities of this movie and about who's telling the story and how memory influences it and how we're supposed to perceive these moments in time as if this is how they actually happened or if this is this is a little more of an omniscient look at it. Like what, where I would love to talk about that, but let's say for the sake of what I want to say that there is a in deep focus would feed into that idea, but that there's a deep focus in these shots, the way that the way that your eye darts between people who are just surreptitiously skirting into frame in the foreground. And then you're watching them. And then as the camera keeps moving, like Brandon is saying, you're just watching all these people shoot guns in the left side of the back frame. Yeah. And, um, I, I love something, it's just a really subtle gesture, but when they're leaving the house to go, when everyone's piling in the car for one reason or another, and one of the kids is like sliding down the stairs, yeah. and his feet like hit the little railing at the mm-hmm. end of the steps, um, and the way that the shot is framed, and we're doing a pan, but the way the shot is framed, it, it, it occupies like a pretty strong contingency of the right side of the frame. And then the kid goes back up to do it again, as the camera keeps panning towards the door, and he slides down again, but all you see are his feet smack into the railing. Mm. But there's just, there's something so, there's just such an expansive quality to the framing and the cinematography here. Yep. And that life is literally unfolding along the margins of the frame. Mm-hmm. Done. <laughs> Scene. It just, there's so many moments like that Back throughout the whole to the beach. movie. Yeah, the beach. Start with Leonardo DiCaprio until the Oh, in. fuck yeah. What? Tilda Swinton's in the beach. What the, oh, yeah. With the beach I gotta scene. Go. She plays a guru. To me, oh, fuck. Is, uh, it's the the cumulative impact. The, did I say that? Cumulative impact yeah. of pain 
it starts through the weight of water. Yeah, it starts and she's not in the water, and then she gets deeper and deeper until it is totally overwhelming her, and then mm-hmm. she has to fight her way out with two fucking kids mm-hmm. who just wouldn't fucking listen. Right. The Im- and, and, and the image of her as she's reaching them in the water and the waves just continually smacking into mm-hmm. her body. And she literally just has like grab hold of these kids yeah. and drag I, them back. We said this off mic, I think, but just that scene ending with like, yes, the, the family's crowding around Cleo. We love you, Cleo. We love you. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. You love her. But I think Daniel, you said this off mic, but the whole point of the scene is her admitting to herself. I didn't want my baby. And like that is it's what Ben is, when it's it what Ben is saying, you. but the but the punctuation on it, the crescendo mm-hmm. ends with her saying, "I didn't want to have the baby," and this they is, don't acknowledge that yeah. she said that. It's never brought up. No, that you know they say that we love you. The the shot they're using it as the the you know the image for the campaign. It, it's the poster yeah. of the film, and it implies a sort of tight knit family unit bound together by love. It's almost religious. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. Like the the Pieta, uh-huh. yeah. Um, that's not what the shot represents in context. Mm-hmm. And I have said, and I will stick to this, that I am not looking to argue with people who aren't here. But I do think that to look at that scene, uh, literally, in that because I think they I mean they do love her, but right. it's complicated. They mm-hmm. still view her the as next, literally subservient. The to next her, scene to them. is then is the kids make me being, a smoothie exactly. Yeah, and it's kids. right after I think Sophie says like Cleo saved us. Yeah, get us a smoothie. Like, yeah, right. Both things can be true, and and, and it's right. and it's and it's and it's not that it's not that that they that they are so bound together by this intense passionate love. Yeah, that's. Not the case, mm-hmm. and Quaron is not trying to say that yeah. is the case. The disparity is what's interesting. There. They are family, but it's no one's choice. Yes, it's it's an economic it's not necessity. Choplifter. Well, it's it is kind of choplifters, except right. choplifters is a chosen family, mm-hmm. and Cleo has to have this job. And of course, when someone when you're in this close familiar relationship, you're going to develop feelings for each other, but. There is always going to be the fact that she is an employee. And it's important to remember that the kids are fucking brats yeah. on the whole. And it doesn't mean that they're not sympathetic characters, or that we're watching Daniel Plainview in preteen form. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that. But yeah. just this, I, the, this this sanctimoniousness that people talk about in this movie that isn't present yeah. about how this, this upper middle class family... Um, like, it's not about them learning to love their name. No, it's not. And people are acting like that's what the intent is. No, it's yeah. not Crash. Yeah. It's not Sandra Bullock and Crash. Being like, you're my best friend. <laughs> right. If that's what, if that's the, <laughs> like, if that's so the good. read you're getting from this movie, then. Watch it again. Then I don't it's know on what. Netflix. Give it another look. Then I don't know There what, you go again. <laughs> I don't know what you're watching. I know. Because it, it's, it's like. It's clear that. Like in Shoplifters, two things can be true at the same time. Yes, they love her, but yes, there's still a disparity there. And, and also, that's his point. And, and also, it, it's not like they love her so intensely. Like, all of them. Yeah. I think the kids do. She is a, sort of a, a, a secondary parent to them. Mm-hmm. The way that the architecture of the family is built in this, she's basically the co-parent with the mother, not mm-hmm. the grandmother. Like, they are mom and mom, right? right. Um, but it's... it's Let's, I apologize. I, it's my fault that that we went down this road. Yeah, I, I don't want to fight with. I don't either. Who aren't but here I, I don't either. But I do want to say this is this movie is not an act of absolution. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
And I don't think that it's meant to be interpreted And I also, that way. I would like to say to that point, when uh, Mrs. Sophie joins the Pieta, she is basically like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Li- like, oh. it's, oh, thank you. For They're this. hugging the kids. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for saving my children. Like, where the fuck were you? <laughs> Back right. at the yeah. car. Right. Like, you didn't have to go into the beach because you have a nanny. It upsets me, but it's not that I think it's a flawed movie for that, but it upsets me that's because the- that's what this scene is about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because she goes right back to being She's a- very good. I hope she gets the Best Supporting Actress She's nomination. not going to. She's incredible. Marina de Tivier. And I didn't like notice incredible. it the first time I saw it. Neither did I. I mean, I really loved her the first time yeah. around, but this time around I, I had really a much like, keener oh, idea of yeah. her arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, yeah, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, As is Yulizia Aparicio. Yeah, I think Yulizia, she's on my ballot personally. I think she will. But she, I think she gets in. I don't think Marina. I hope so. I mean, we'll we'll see. This could be one of those years where SAG and Golden Globes, and again, just to just to be clear, I'm absolutely a hypocrite. And that last episode I railed against <laughs> awards. The prognosticating. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. I'm a hypocrite. We're I'll, also I'll, gay. Yeah, so we're we also to. gay. This is all I have. This could be one of those years where Golden Globe and SAG don't necessarily match up with Oscar. Mm-hmm. Like, you think about how Christoph Waltz didn't get nominated mm-hmm. at the SAG. He ends up winning. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street doesn't get nominated at SAG. Ends up getting the nominations. Phantom Thread barely registers It's always SAG. when it's a December movie that's really good. Right. Yeah. Right. And the other people like, didn't I think... get screeners early enough. Well, and also, and, um, I don't... I'm, I, I'm not going to say who because I don't want to broach anything here, but a friend of mine who is a SAG member was telling me that one year he was randomly chosen to be on the nominating committee, and that's when you get everything. Right. He's like, how they do it now is, as a member of SAG, I will vote on the awards. I will not receive a screener of Roma. I, would, I wouldn't have received a screener for Phantom Thread last year, or I would for Janet Day Lewis, who I think got nominated at SAG. I don't remember. Basically, you only get screeners for the nominees. Right. So... Well, I don't remember where I was going with this, except to say, like, I just, I just wonder if we will see some changes because also, you know, it's kind of a meme at this point, but it is a new academy. I mean, it's like what a full quarter or something. So, yeah, someone please new. let us know. It's, it, it's a substantial quadrant of the membership that has mm-hmm. been added over the last three years. Bless you, Cheryl Boone Isaacs. They've gone so, from like five thousand to seven thousand. Yeah, and it, I just that does make a difference. I don't expect the academy to change overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that you look at someone like Mahershala Ali, who is beloved by everybody. So I think he still could win for Green Book, even though it's this role that is problematically written, having mm-hmm. not seen the movie. Um, I think he still could eke out the win because right. he's so beloved by everybody he that he still garners support from he, a new academy and an and a older, more patrician academy, right? Yeah. But. I don't remember where I'm going with this. This is we're having coffee today. I know, so we're lit. We're motor we're mouth then. Cranked. Yeah. I think Yalitzia and Regina both still get in. Oh, Regina's getting Regina in. Regina will get in. Yeah. That snub hurt. It's just because they I they haven't seen the movie. They didn't I see guess. the movie. Yeah. I've heard that Gill Street's like... not doing a great job with their screener rollout. Well, Annapurna should not be distributing their own movies. Well, and full stop. And keep in mind, Golden Globes, it's like a committee of 90 yeah. people who get their own screenings in the movie. It's very easy to schedule a Beale Street screening for the mm-hmm. Golden Globes. It's a lot harder to make sure all the nominators yeah. uh, for SAG right. get it, get it, get their own personal yeah. screener. I mean, Annapurna Anna screeners. Because it could be like a commercial actor in Chicago is on the That's nominating right. committee That's for right. SAG. Like they can't, they have to send screeners to people. Brandon. Annapurna's, I mean, I got them. They came late. Yeah, they got. You have a Beale Street screener. I have. I wasn't gonna reveal, but I have Beale Street and Vice and oh, Destroyer. Wait, can we, 
Okay, can we do that before we all leave for the holidays or once we all get back well, a destroyer screening? Destroyer. Oh my god, destroyer. What I wanted to do with Vice was I think I drink I'm gonna... every time Ben laughs. <laughs> I'm already drunk. <laughs> yeah, let's do Vice or Destroyer. Vice, I think I was gonna like take that one home, watch it with my family, and then bring it Vice, back. Vice I do want to see in a theater. I don't I'm not need sure to. I care. I'd be I happy to watch to. a screener. Um but anyway, we're oh, I know what I want to bring up. I actually do think the SAG ensemble nominees, minus Bohemian, were pretty exciting i like um you know i like that black panther and crazy rich asians both i think that crazy rich asians is a perfect ensemble i think that and thompson was right in that the alphabetical thing no marjorie mark harris's thing i'll I'll say after you that they just checked the i'll say i'll say after you um no that was the the golden globes all every golden globe best drama it's a Star is Born and B. No, no, movies. but keep it the sa- um, SAG is Star is Born, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Crazy Rich Asians, and then... What do you mean B movie? Movies that start with movies letter B. Movies that start with letter Star B. Star is Born, <laughs> Bohemian, Black Klansman, Black Panther, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, it's... All five before C. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm with Brandon. I think... So they're just lazy and... <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's... In, in, I think it's exciting to have an action ensemble like Black Panther nominated. I think Crazy Rich Asians is the type of ensemble comedy we don't see enough of these days. Um, I think Black Klansman. I love this the this the uh, the steam is the wrong word, but just all the all the momentum that Black yeah. Klansman has right now. Yeah, David John Washington. I don't get in. Yeah, well, it'll be him or Ethan Hawke, right? Unless they like leave off Rami Malek, which seems certain now. <sighs> yeah, Rami are you Malek including Ryan Gosling though? No, because he could fall off. He's not nominated at SAG. Hold on, let's go through it. I don't even know. It's going to be Vigo, Vigo, Cradley, Rami, John David. We're missing one. Is it? It's not Ryan. I thought it was. The Might Goss. be Ryan. I thought it was the Goss. I don't know. First Man is completely falling off, I, I, except for Claire. Fry. I am. I am the biggest fan of A Star Is Born at this table by half. Should not have been an ensemble. That's kind of ridiculous. What I love about the and while I, I do love the ensemble in a Star Wars one, what I love as much what I love so much about the movie are just these hushed, intimate moments. And from what I understand, Beale Street is that as well with a yeah. larger ensemble. But I don't know. There's something about a Star is Born where yeah. you're, you're, you're truly you're, an ensemble. you're stuck in this heart between two characters, and that's sort of the thrust of the movie. Yeah. So it seems weird to give that. And a like they could have just ensemble. given them the three individual nominations. Yeah, it's the. Uh, I mean, of course, I love when Sideways gets actor supporting actor. Supporting actress and i believe it also got ensemble yeah. hell yeah um okay what i was gonna say is that i think ann thompson is right oh, that right. um no it's fine that uh black panther and crazy rich asians like don't gain momentum from this but black no. Klansman does because yeah. john david washington got that nomination and adam driver yeah i i mean I have thought Adam Driver, because he's the white person in this movie, will get a nomination. I think he will, too. And yeah, I think he's going to get a nomination, I think too. David but John is I gotta, on the I gotta, edge. I got to be completely honest mm-hmm. here. I don't think that it's because he's the white character in the movie. I think it's because he's the most substantive supporting character in the movie. Yeah, perhaps. A supporting male, anyway. Mm-hmm. He's His performance is the more obvious acting yes well, david john washington too. is doing a lot of internal mm-hmm. and adam driver is playing he's code switching mm-hmm. which right. is more obvious acting with well a capital i'll a. take i'll take your your internal external argument a step further which is that adam driver is the one who's actually in the field and he is reacting right. to the external circumstances whereas john david washington is having to give a one a one man play at a desk right. with right. a camera right in front yeah, of him. so it's less obvious for people to be like oh yeah there he is Ooh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and oh, i think that it's great for 
Spike's best director nomination. Oh, he's going to win. He's going to win screenplay. He's getting in for yep. director. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, Thrill, Black Klansman is literally back. the night before the SAG Awards. I was having drinks with a friend and I was like, I, th- I hope and I think Spike Lee is winning an Oscar for a screenplay. And they're like, well, we'll see. And then the morning of the SAG noms, I was like, it's happening. It's, happening. it's, it's happening. on. That's his it win. It's on, baby. He's getting on that stage. Should baby. we go back to Roma? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, this After, is the Roma episode. But, but before we finish, I do want to know if you're bullish on Margot Robbie's chances of getting a nomination. Over the Claire Foy spot. Um, Not the Regina spot. We don't have to do it now. We don't have to do it now. All I will say, she's very good. It's a terrible role. But it's a true supporting role, right? She's only in 20 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. See, that gets me excited. She's very good and like deep emotions happening. It's just, I don't care what the emotions are. And also, sometimes you don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling. And like, she's weeping or like, they're knitting. Yeah. Oh, God, it's just, it's so bananas, this movie. Is it, is it a movie, from Elizabeth's point of view, is it a movie about grief expressed through knitting? Yes. Nice. She's barren. Quickly. <laughs> She's giving birth to cross-stitch. Jeez. What does Bo Willimon do? There's oh. a literal match cut. No. Okay, now I have to say it. There's an overhead shot of Sersha no. having just given birth on a sheet, and there it's a red bloody sheet. Match cut to Queen Elizabeth doing cross-stitch between her legs. It, I, was, I was about to ask, is it between her legs? Uh-huh. Is it an overhead? Uh-huh. Oh, that's rough. That's disrespectful. It's fucked. What, what in the love of God? This movie is fucked, and I loved it. I, I mean, yeah, I did. I'm going. It's, it's very boring, I'm going to, to be see, honest. Good. but I'm going to see it. I'll be there. I will also say... And again, I think this is for the Claire spot, not for Regina's spot, because these were the two people. Did Claire get the nom? No, no, no. Claire and Regina were left off the SAG list. That's right. I think, having seen A Quiet Place, which is not a movie I like very much. Emily Blunt's going to get nominated. I have said, I don't know if I've said it, I don't know if I've said it on the microphone before, but Emily Blunt is tremendous in the movie. And I've also said that, yeah, I suppose A Quiet Place is Hitchcockian in the sense that the director's wife is doing all of the work. Like, Emily Blunt, ah! Emily Blunt Wait, have is... have you seen A Quiet Place? Yes. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, you did say, okay, yeah. sorry. And sorry, of course, I was looking at my notes. I'm just like, I'm just giving a hat tip to Alma Hitchcock. Alfred mm-hmm. Hitchcock was doing his work. But she is the only reason why what does work in that movie works. In my, in my opinion. Yes. So I wouldn't be upset if she got the nomination, if only to deprive us the best original screenplay nomination for A Quiet Place. If it's got to get something, which, and, you know, I've got, you know, fr- lovely friends who love this movie and we can all like what we like. I think, it, I think it's really sad that we're talking about A Quiet Place as an Oscar contender in the first place, except for Emily Blunt, mm. who's great in the movie. She, but it's yeah, also category she's, fraud. She's the lead actress. Yeah, that is category fraud. It should be the little girl who's supporting. Oh, Thomas and McKenzie. Also running in support. Correct. Yeah. Um, have you seen the screen grabs of The Quiet Place screenplay? Yeah. All of the bold and exclamation points and underlined. crash! He burst through! Exclamation, 80 exclamation points. There's a point where it's like, yes. and they didn't see it coming! Six exclamation points or something like that. John Krasinski just slapping at his keyboard. <laughs> is that real? Yes. It's yes. not Photoshop? Oh, it could be Photoshopped. We oh, could be falling do you think for it's it. fake? I don't know. I haven't seen I guess this. we'll have to just download it from the Paramount website. It seems real to me. Okay. Um, Bless okay. you, Ben. Let's Paramount, Roma. Paramount Roma. would rewrite it before releasing it. <laughs> it must be a joke then, and we fell for it. Okay, okay, you know Roma. what's not a joke? Writing the rules on the whiteboard of number one, they can hear us. <laughs> 
not, not number two. It's like there's like like three words with question marks. It's like UFO, Braille. Just like all these like like all, all these hypotheses, all these ideas. Two scenes in Roma that I want to talk about. Yeah. The martial arts where everyone and that the group leader, of martial arts that leader has like that long thing, and then the 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 riots. Okay, so, so you want to talk about the bigger sequences then? Yes. So what I the martial arts sequence I don't know about for you for you guys, but the first time I watched it, I was like, what is happening? This is going on for a long time. What is this? But then when she does her foot thing, the best out of everyone. Mm. It's a beautiful button on that scene. Mm-hmm. I I think I, I think so too. I don't have this critique myself. I think if there was to be a critique of the way that Quaron is building Cleo as a character, it's that she is suggestively an angel. <laughs> the way that the movie ends, where she goes right back up to heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, is it like? I I think it's a moving moment. I think it's great. But I I can you know you can maybe talk to me about why it's a, maybe feels a little disingenuous to have her be the only person who can do it. Mm. But I personally don't have anything wrong with the fact that we have a character who embodies goodness. And yeah. she's not the only character who comes from that uh, economic background or that mm-hmm. ethnic background. And mm-hmm. they're not being, they can't do the stand. Right. They're not the ones saving kids in the water. Like, right. So I guess actually I wouldn't have much time for that argument mm-hmm. now that I'm figuring it out. Um, yeah, it's just it's beautiful. Her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that could be, what if some people say this movie's over produced that could be a yeah. moment where it's like a little too perfect well, but i think it's wonderful and that's really my only critique with the movie not not that shot specifically but there are times when it is just a little too perfect for me and i'm like alfonso Cuaron, can you please just we don't need an airplane going above mm. the guy when he's got his hands in the air <laughs> like little things like that i'm like you don't you already have a cherry on top yeah don't put five more cherries mm-hmm. like it can just be a banana, whipped cream, and a cherry. You don't then have to like empty the whole bucket of maraschinos mm-hmm. into the bowl. Like, that's my only problem with it. And yeah. that sometimes there are moments where he's orchestrating these uh, city traffic scenes just a little too perfectly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I said earlier, I think there's a Tati element involved. Yeah. And I get such a thrill out of those tracking shots. We'll go back to your scene. Sorry, Brandon. But the tracking shots where uh, Cleo is running down the street. Mm-hmm. And when the camera arrives at the guy who's pushing the water out from under the awning or the, on top of his awning onto the street, that gets me lit. Yeah. Yeah. Even though in theory, that's an example of what I'm saying. When the camera seems to hit things at just the right Too moment perfectly. in a way that maybe it, we are talking about memory. I think this movie is towing a really interesting line between sentimentality and nostalgia and sincerity and the harsh truth of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But yes, back to your scene. Sorry. Well, another example of that is when she's walking and there's like the cannon, the guy and, gets blown out of the cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to think like if, like if this was a story that was ever shared with like, not necessarily Alfonso Cuaron, but with just whoever the fuck is telling this story, because we are completely in her perspective. And while she is the protagonist of the movie, I don't think that it is entirely through her eyes. No. Um, but, but that could be, that, that has the, the quality of, of almost like a folktale to me. Like, it's like a dream, like a dream, but it's basically like. Yeah, I got off the bus and there was a carnival going on and I saw a human cannonball, you yeah. know? Because you have to remember, I mean, it's a movie of from his memories. This is... Mm-hmm. But then, you know, he wasn't there. When, anyway, but... Um, but why does he have to be? I mean, right. yes, but anyway. Um, actually, I don't want to talk about the riot scene. I want to talk about my favorite scene, apart from the beach scene, which is the movie theater scene, mm. when she tells Fermin she's pregnant and then he disappears. And then you sit with her and you know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then the first time I cried in this movie was when she 
goes outside the theater and all the toys and games are happening yeah. all around her. And again, another moment where it's perfectly framed. Everything is... And the sound design is impeccable. Yeah. yeah. And she just is sitting there and yeah. you know he's gone forever. And the man and is just very... bouncing the balloons right behind her head. Yeah, it's that moment really. It's got, really got me. Something that I think about this movie. Something I think about this movie What is, do you think? Yes. Um, the way... So they go to... Who 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 are they visiting the Americans for New Year's? It's not it's, it's not like the the aunt. aunt the aunt is Christmas and then it's just some other friends, some other maybe cousins or something. Yeah, cousins. Um, yeah, cousins. But okay, so aunt. I thought they were two separate places, but yes. It's all I think I don't know. Sorry, this coffee, I'm lit. You're lit. They are uh with the shooting and the fire. The fire. Um I think I think that he is playing with a more like grotesque sort of uh, tableau style when he's with the gringos, as they are called. Absolutely. As compared with the the Cleo scenes or the scenes of domesticity, they're still perfectly placed, but there's a more and, organic naturalism and so to them. To, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over it's you, fine. but just there's still just as many things to watch in those packed frames yeah. that are taking place domestically mm-hmm. rather than guns over here, kids yeah. splashing through puddles here, dogs running through here. Mm-hmm. It is just as, again, to use like the microscope metaphor here, like there are still plenty of amoebas bouncing mm-hmm. around in the, in, the, in the Petri dish. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. And just that it's like Cleo is experiencing things that are a little bit off to her when like, I mean... It's almost as if to say this is unnatural and these people shouldn't be here and that like I she totally doesn't uh relate to their lifestyle and they keep speaking English. Yeah. And that she's just witnessing this very like grotesque people it's a very I mean this is like the Renoir moment that people are referring to it's the upstairs downstairs commingling and doing shooting and doing fire and but the dance when they do the mm-hmm. and they do the cha-cha or whatever mm-hmm. and and they listen to jesus christ superstar yeah and it's a very much more like late fellini oh it's mr chord and most of this movie is more early fellini and i just think that's an interesting dichotomy i think that there's dichotomies galore mm-hmm. throughout Roma. Like we talked about, we talked about the shape of water and the weight of water and the bookends of the films with the crashing water. We could also talk about guns in this movie. And, and I love the, the line of argument you're drawing about um, almost these being portraits of grotesquerie. And you think about what he's capturing when they're shooting guns on the little range and just that they are, they are using acts or they're using tools of killing for sport mm-hmm. guns come back into play later on in the film as uh, as tools of killing and there is something about the distance between what the gun is designed to be used for and the way that these rich people are just loafing about on their estate without any care in the world for what 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 the natural causality of such uh such a object is the same thing goes for the fire the fire happens because they decide to shoot off fireworks mm-hmm. all over their estate which is just the the one of fireworks I gotta say, I'm mostly on board, even though I saw like a tree burn up in the house across the street from me on July 4th the other year. It is like fireworks are one of the most excessive displays or just excessive acts that there are in, mm-hmm. in Western society anyway. Well, no, fireworks are global. Um, <laughs> I'm dumb. But 
the fire the, the forest catches on fire because the natural causality of, of an object that they are completely distanced from because they are living with, behind gold walls mm-hmm. um, it, it is an it is an act of of of, of um, causality again and, and, and just like the the destruction inherent like in their playthings it's, it's also sport when they have to put out the fire it's fun yeah it's, it's another activity it's the, the children yeah. just take over the little fires and yeah. but it also is a lot of fun to watch it um, is. and it can be both and there's the one guy with his who costume sings. who's doing, doing I love singing him. I love Sam. him that's a very Flaney-esque moment mm-hmm. where he just stops and just, like commenting on the absurdity of things the um so the riot scene mm-hmm. um which played for me better on TV funny enough oh mm-hmm. really yeah I felt if it was almost like um like the frame rate with the Hobbit like when you blew it up on a large screen, you could just see the artifice in places. Mm-hmm. And not that I thought the riot was artificial when I saw it on screen the first time, but I did. I I could hear Quaron in the back of my head yelling "action" on all the extras. Sure. And when I watched it on a smaller screen, I didn't feel that way at all. Hmm. Oh. I think it was more just my own shit when I saw it in the theater for the first time. Yeah. But it definitely played much more naturalistic to me the second time around, and that was my yeah. issue with it the first time around. That, like I said, sometimes it feels a little overdirected. Yeah. I mean, this movie's full of long wonderful pans but that pan is mm-hmm. one of the most brutal. effective and yeah. brutal there's something i mean quaron does this in children of men and and i clocked that was a very children of men moment i clocked it in e2 mama tambien at some point i don't remember but just capturing action through the window there's something mm-hmm. inherently voyeuristic about it ties back into why we do movies in the fir- why we do movies in the first place doing movies but there is something so gratifying about watching an enormous crowd scene and chaos violent chaos i mean think about just the the extras budget yeah. think about orchestrating that and that it's basically tossed off mm-hmm. um not tossed off because it has a very real yeah. severe impact it's but, but it's background but that is yeah. peripheral yeah. and there's a um the I can't, story is her water breaking in I that moment exactly and yeah. that's what i love about where the story is focused at all times that peripheral is the right exact word for it and there's mm-hmm. another movie that i can't think of and maybe i'll think of it tomorrow but but where there's just this really expensive act going on mm. just in like the background yeah. shot yeah which is you know sort of uh, uh you could only you could only have the budget to do it yeah so it is a it is an act of filmmaking privilege to be able to do it in the first place yeah but i think it's hugely effective it is like when when i watch this movie i understand why no studio would want to do it because it's like you're going to put all of this money into these scenes that are in the background and out of focus or yeah. or just the little pops of uh of of color on the streets mm-hmm. as the camera's panning yeah. by and people like a the 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 taxi or the car like almost hits cleo like mm-hmm. when she's running across the street yeah. i'm just thinking about like you have to dress so much of a real street yeah. to look like 1970 yeah, exactly. to get that long Mm-hmm. And and I do think that that is worth commending just on its head. Like, yeah. and in <clears throat> in the hands of a lesser filmmaker, mm-hmm. it would feel very show offy to me. Yeah. And Quaron is a filmmaker who always dazzles me when I watch his movies. When I saw Gravity for the first time in a theater, I was like, okay, well, there's no way anything's topping this for me as best movie of the year. Twenty four hours later, I'd had left no impact on me. You know, I, I appreciated it more as an act of technical prowess, yeah. even though there is a clear, the clear emotional through line is what connects the movie. Oh, can I say something? I don't feel that way about Roma. I've, I've carried it with you me. You have. 
what's with the with the movie they see the second movie it's a space that's movie. a real movie yeah is, which you can imagine him seeing at that age and that influences the making of gravity yeah, yeah that's what i wondered i yeah. was like did he, he did that on purpose because he mm-hmm. directed gravity mm-hmm. Here, here's a, here's, that was like a favorite childhood movie. here's a hot take okay. here's a hot take if this was late period Quaron, we would be having a completely different discussion about it and all of the things that might feel navel gazing we would be celebrating I even agree. more loudly. i think you're right i think you're right um, I really want to watch Azkaban again. Fuck yeah. Because I have not seen it since I saw it in the movie theater. I've it's, never like caught it on TV. It's objectively the best Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's objectively the best Harry Potter. And I just would like to see what he does. I would it. like to see it. I would like to see that. I'd like to see that. One final thing I want to say on Roma is the dichotomy between the two women characters. Mm-hmm. How Sophia's allowed to be very loud and boisterous about her pain yeah crashing the car crashing multiple cars mm-hmm. scraping car and just which is a war movie yelling the, the, the car parking is a war movie oh yeah mm-hmm. it's an action movie it's a war movie and, and just the rubble and, and cleo is forced to be quiet about yeah. all of her suffering mm-hmm. and pain so i just and no i'm like glad that. you bring that up because i think there's an important moment which is the button to her crashing the car through where she she grabs cleo and she's like as women, like, we're always alone. Yeah. And I don't think that that's meant to be a moment where we're like, yeah, they're in the exact same station. Right. They're yeah. absolutely not. It's, an, yeah. it's a show of her privilege. Yeah. And if anything, if I were Cleo, I would probably feel even more alone after yeah. that moment. Yeah, totally. And, like, when Cleo is like, can I talk to you? And she's like, Grab well, the kids first. get the kids first. <gasps> that's another scene that, that kills fucked. me. And Cleo just is standing there waiting for her job to be done right. so she can have a very real conversation with mm-hmm. her boss. Which might her end... Who she, she, which she might she's end, going to get Which fired. might end in her job being done. Yeah. That, oh yeah, that's probably... That probably ties with the uh, movie theater exit as my second favorite scene. That scene is also... I really like when Grandma doesn't know any details about Cleo's life at and the And she's hospital. like, she's my... I'm her I'm, employer. I'm her employer. Yeah. Again, it's another example of showing the disparity between the characters. And mm-hmm. even no matter how much they love each other, no matter how much they cohabitate, mm-hmm. there is this gulf that yeah. cannot be filled. Because right. of capitalism. Yes. Because of the capitalist nature of their relationship. Well, and, and just the way that, yeah, the, the capitalism obviously goes part and parcel with the class system. And a class system breeds a, not an ambivalence and not quite an apathy, but it, it breeds a sense of entitlement. For everybody, yeah. Depen- like depending on whether you are wh- where you are in that pyramid, it could be no entitlement, but that's yeah. still some entitlement. You know, you, not really, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Here is something. This is the last point that I need to make about this movie because we're running quite long. But so, I feel like this movie is quietly revolutionary in the way that it uses long takes as memory because I think when we normally see memory in a movie that you're going here it's montage it's quick flashes it's these little blips but this is a much more i mean it's like a gentle approach and it is it it evokes the way that a lot of memories feel which are different from montage and it's just it like puts you in this moment and you are able to like remember details of things in your own life Mm -hmm. that you haven't I, thought about. I couldn't possibly agree with you more. And this is another example of where hit Quaron's ability to be such a maestro mm-hmm. o- o- over his sets and to have six micro stories going on in one shot is not just a matter of excess. It, it, it's it, it's certainly not. 
it, 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 it's not an announcement that as a filmmaker, I am able to conjure this, which yeah. is often my critique with Damien Chazelle. With Quaron, and I love that you're tying it into memory because I was hoping we would go there. He's basically what he's doing by having it in this deep focus, which again, I th- I'm pretty sure deep mm-hmm. focus, these long takes that give you so many little stories to pour over. Everyone's going to leave the movie with a different impression of the scene. Mm-hmm. Just like there is no one universal truth. The three of us could witness an event and we would all take away a different sequence mm-hmm. of uh, events from it. And yeah. that's where, that's where I love how packed these frames are. And that, and that the Tati-esque gestures are not just homage and they're not just him having a, ha- having a gas. Yeah. Like it is, it is building into how overwhelming life is in general. Mm-hmm. Or just, and I don't, I don't mean that, um, I don't mean that in some sort of melodramatic way. I just mean living, we are constantly surrounded by stimuli and all these other stories that are going on around us. And we're all going to pull different pieces of the thread. Mm-hmm. And by presenting it in this, and this is kind of what I want to talk about earlier, like where objective, subjective, memory, uh, truth all come in here. Um, I don't need to go on for 10 minutes. Those buzzwords put them together. That's how I feel. Great. I'm learning to the, um, <laughs> just simmer down. I just feel like the first time I used the word memory poem on this podcast Ladybird. was about Ladybird, And I associate that because there's so little like plot machination it's just like these brief scenes vignettes and then you put them together and it creates this larger narrative but this is like achieving the same goal with the exact opposite scene structure and i think that's very exciting yeah while still having little moments that remind me of ladybird getting her cast sewn off mm. which is a 20 second scene mm-hmm. I think about all the shots of Boris the dog just mm. jumping up and down yeah. and the silhouette you see from the other side of the entrance to the house. I think about what is maybe my favorite scene in the movie, but it feels like a cheat. But the hail scene, I think, is just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It's just hail pinging off windows and yeah. kids dancing around in the hail. There is no story there, and yeah. it doesn't t- it doesn't occupy much of the runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I, I totally agree with you. They use opposite uh, strategies, but they still both incorporate just these little glimpses mm-hmm. within their larger yeah. structure. Totally. Totally. I like the scene where Totally, dude. Totally, bro. I like the scene That's where... great. I like the scene where Cleo's doing What's sit-ups and it's like, one for the torta, oh, mm, yeah. one for the taco. Mm-hmm. What's the other My theater loved that. Yeah. 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 Well, we didn't really talk about her homework, but let's just say Itumama Tambien is the horniest, sexiest movie out there. How much time do you have before you need to leave for your movie? I mean, if you are going, you need to get there before I do. I'm not going. Okay. I would like to go. I'm not going to go. Yeah, I don't. I'm fine. I'd like, let's talk a little bit about the homework. I mean, we don't have to talk very long. (laughs) We don't talk very long, but I was watching, funny, ironically, I was watching Solo Con 2 Pareja on Netflix, or not on Netflix, on Prime, but on my phone in Mm -hmm. my car before I came in here, which is what everyone's so terrified is going Mm -hmm. to be the de facto viewing for Roma. And I did do it for a different quorum. It's it's funny. funny. I just, I think that you can tie, maybe we don't talk about them separately, but I think you can weave them in here a little bit. And Mm -hmm. that, what, uh, what we were talking about earlier, not just about capitalism, but about, um, I'll just say with Ichimama Tambien, you've got Zama narrating these punctuations to ends of scenes about how Mm -hmm. Chewy, their guide he and his family end up getting pushed out of their beachside home to come to to make way for a condominium. Yeah. He is not able to get another job as uh, not either as a fisherman or as like a, an expedition guide like mm-hmm. on a boat because he doesn't meet, meet certain qualifications. He ends up being a janitor in the city. Mm-hmm. And and there's this thing about Roma and about children of men and all, uh, and and also in Itumama Tambien, Itumama Tambien, the coffee, um, where he's situating 
his characters within this social upheaval, an environment of social upheaval, like around them. And there is there there is a link you are supposed to make between the disparity of your characters mm-hmm. and then the surrounding circumstances and how much they do or don't impact one another directly. Yeah. Like in Itumama Tambien, you have the scene where the three of them are driving in the car just bullshitting, mm-hmm. whacking off basically, and they're driving past folks being arrested by the police for what mm-hmm. we can infer are needless circumstances. Mm-hmm. So we're driving past police brutality as they are having a fucking riot in their yeah. car while there's riots in the streets. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's it, you know, it maybe is like too on the nose, but I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and it's again, you're seeing, you're seeing these events happen through a car window, like mm-hmm. you see the riots in Roma through the department store windows. Um, and um, I don't know. I just I don't think maybe he does. I frankly don't read enough about Quaron, but I don't think he gets enough credit for being socially conscientious because yeah, there's part yeah. of that part of that runs through the fabric of his movies in a way that I find <clears throat> quite substantial. Children of men, hello. I feel like uh, hello. I feel hello. like he is constantly interrogating his own place in the world and the privilege that he has been afforded in his own masculinity and. It's like it's the thing that people criticize Sophia for. It's that they don't like the milieu that these people are playing in, but it is the milieu that they were born into, and they are critiquing it as much as they are indulging in like giving a true heartfelt story. And it's it mm-hmm. is much more complicated than a lot of people would like to. Quaron has been yeah. checking his privilege for years longer mm-hmm. than we've asked male directors mm-hmm. to do that in their work. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think Quaron. I think it's also clear that Alfonso Cuaron has definitely slept with at least four or five men. Absolutely, in his life. Fuck yeah, several, probably not all you at once. You can't say the same. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, mm. he lived Etuma. That's also a memory poem. I mean, it. it we could infer that it There's, probably is. Roma is a prequel from a different mm-hmm. protagonist's yeah. point of view, <laughs> or maybe not point of view, but with a different protagonist. The gay son grows up to be Tanash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never that dynamic reminds me of my own private Idaho a little bit. And mm. then we have I mean, obviously the River Phoenix character is far more destitute yeah. and lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh more alone than uh Julio. Mm-hmm. But there's something about, you know, Tenoch being the son of a diplomat or whatever yeah. and having this higher station in life and mm-hmm. Julio's home life is just a little more messy and chaotic mm-hmm. and, and I I hesitate to say working class because it's clear that they both have money. Yeah. One just happens to have a lot more of it. Yeah. I found that to be an <clears throat> interesting, rich and layered and complicated dynamic. Yeah. I like the final scene of Itu Mama. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't, well, I wasn't expecting the movie to be as gay as it was. Yeah. I didn't know that much about it, but now I'm like, oh, that's why my high school friend wanted me to watch it. She was like, it's gay, you fag. Yeah. <laughs> um, Literally. But that dining scene is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's just sad. It just made me feel yeah. great emotion because they will go live their lives probably as straight men, and they'll just—that'll never be—they'll yeah. never live their truth as gay men. The prison of fragile masculinity. What is yeah. it? Julio says some—he's gone totally fruity. Up there, he's up gone there. like full queen. Yeah, full oh, queen. one of their friends is like yeah. fully gay and mm-hmm. embracing who he is. But it, mm-hmm. but, but then they're it like, is... he's got a boyfriend. It's great. Like they're mm-hmm. they're 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 just tiptoeing up to the edges yeah. of 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 queer life this of probably... not living the the mode of masculinity yeah. and privilege that they have been pressured into. Mm-hmm. This is probably a lame comparison, but it's like the opposite of Moonlight's dining room dining mm. diner scene because mm. yeah. they 
realize they're in love. And right. The, That's the, really rich. Rich, layered, interesting. It's not even jokey rich. That, no. that is a rich, rife with subtext observation. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, those are the movies I am on. Oh, I don't really. <laughs> I don't have much to say about Solo Country Pareja. I think I've it's, said what I needed to say. It's a fun farce. It's, it's very a fun, Almodovar. fizzy, screwy farce. Yeah, and the, I just, the premise is ugh, deeply wrong problematic. I, I'm with I'm with Ben on his letterbox log, where it's like I laughed a lot, but I find the uh, I find it reprehensible. I, 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 well, I think okay. This movie comes out in 1991, peak of the you know the AIDS crisis. I think it was. I don't even Coran's, say gay once. Yeah, it might have been at the time. Like now, it comes off completely wrongheaded and like oof, mm-hmm. like yikes. But I think maybe at the time it was his way of like addressing AIDS head on. But like make but, it make it fun. I, that's, I mean, if I he totally had wrong. made this movie <laughs> ten <laughs> years later, it would be done with so much more empathy. I agree. Right. The, like you too, Mama Tommy. I just I right. can't fully right. hate a movie. One that involves ritual humiliation for Don Diego de Zama, mm-hmm. but there He's is new there constantly. is so hot, mm-hmm. so hot in this hot. movie. Very there, hot. There is one part that made me laugh harder than a lot of movies I've watched recently, which is where he has quote unquote fallen in love mm-hmm. with the flight attendant next door. Mm-hmm. He sort of made an ass out of himself a few times. He tries to apologize, and she's trying to get out the door for a day of flights, and they're both carrying bags. And he's like, here, let me hold on to your bag so you can like get out the door a little bit easier. She's like, oh my God, thank you. So they, he says goodbye, gives her her bag, then goes to the doctor where he's supposed <laughs> to submit a stool sample to see if he finds out if he has AIDS or if he has HIV. Um, and he opens it up. He's like, oh yeah, I got the stool sample right here. They came out really nice. And then pulls out a meringue and sticks it on the counter. And then it just cuts to Daniel Jimenez Cacho's face where he's just like, ah! And then he runs to the window and then we get a, a shot from outside the building that zooms out and is like screaming outside. And then we cut to the plane yeah. flying overhead. Uh, there is nothing funnier than really that. It's really funny. It's yeah, that's, so good. That is a very good moment. It's very good. There's very also, good. I'll say in Silicon uh, to Pareja, even though Lubezki didn't shoot Roma, and Cuaron has said everything he's learned about cinematography he's learned from Lubezki, right. there are these elements... They're just they're scenes that take place in sort of unremarkable milieus that he is able with his camera to elevate into something kind of epic. So like the staircase, for instance, in the apartment building, the way that he swirls the camera around just as people are descending the staircase and it becomes this kaleidoscopic image that has just it, it, it celebrates the sort of iron rot production design going on, just the spiral to the sky. You've got the skylight, but it becomes this indelible image. And it's people walking down the stairs. Yeah. So I think that that you can see, you can chart that interest from yeah. the first film all the way up to Roma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lubezki was supposed to shoot Roma, and then he couldn't. They right? just kept pushing production. He was like, "I'm committed to whatever he was he's doing." Like, I'm next. shooting five more Terrence Malick yeah, movies in like, two like, years. I gotta go. So Fonz was go. like, "I'll do it myself." And, and Lubezki says, "He that in." In Alfonso's heart, he knew that's what was going to happen, and he was always supposed to shoot this movie. Probably was. That's so mm-hmm. beautiful. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm fine with the mythology of it. Yeah. By the way, I think the Jean Dielman reference goes unset in this yeah. one. No need to, we don't, no yeah, need to draw any conclusions. It's movie. there. Just it's watch there. the movie, See folks. The film. All right, I'm really going to send us home this time. Anyway. Um, right, this has been Movies IMO. Thank you for tuning in. Um, you have watched Roma, if you're listening to this. If you haven't, well, I don't know what your problem is. Go watch Roma. It's sitting on your TV box. Um, next week, we're talking about Barry Jenkins' If Beale Street Could Talk. 
Mm. <laughs> Can't wait. Which is also going to be in theaters. You can watch it before you listen, I think. I don't know the timing of that. Time travels hard. I'm Brandon Kirby. Okay. You can find, oh no, we are Movies <laughs> IMO. I'm not Brandon Kirby. We uh, we did introduce ourselves at the beginning of this one, We right? did, but okay. I want to, before I want to say we are at Movies IMO mm. on Twitter, um, on iTunes. Please rate, review, subscribe, and tell us. What's your favorite place to announce to your children that your father was never in Canada? Oh. <laughs> I'm Brandon Kirby. What's your favorite Twitter? diving board to sit on with your best friend who's also a man and Jack and jerking it? At BK Kirby. <laughs> I'm Ben MP. You can find me on Twitter at Real Todd Haynes. I'm Daniel Crook. I'm on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. I love the pigs. That run on the beach mm. and poop in the tent. Oh and yeah, eat tambien. I do too. I Louisa walks energy. into the ocean just like Cleo. I don't like that she gets cancer. That's my problem. Yeah, with it's a weird. Oh. Does she have to die just yeah. as she's let go of a life that yeah. was holding her down? Mm-hmm. Really, the, her only motivation is that she knew she had cancer. Yeah, I kind of hate that. But otherwise, I love the movie. Like, I love the movie. Yeah, I forgot about that detail. Mm-hmm. I forgave it. Did you hear Can she you, died? Well, how I, would how I, would he have heard that? I knew that was when they were sitting down. I'm like, it's just a matter of time until one of them says, "Did you hear? Mm-hmm. She's that dead. Louisa died. Mm-hmm. She's dead. She's dead. She's gone. Yikes. Um. Oh, all right. Uh, we've I done, think we did it. We've done the business. Yay! The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.